what we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. Welcome back to Meet Bridget. Thank you so much for joining me. For those of you new to the show, I'm Kishia Rosenberg, COO of Bridget, a confidence and communication platform for teen girls. Bridget is an Irish name meaning strong woman. We believe there's a Bridget in each and every one of us. Today's episode is a bridge etymology. Etymology is the study of the origin of words and the way in which their meanings have changed throughout history. If you listened into episode three of our show, you'll know what to expect. These episodes are quick, snack-sized episodes meant to shine a new light on words we use frequently and expand our perspective on how and why we use the words we do. We're all about becoming better communicators, and that starts with having a firm grasp on the meaning and intention of the words we speak. Today, we're breaking down the word normal. What does normal mean anyway? Okay, folks. Today's word is a word we use essentially every day of our lives. It's become a metric for how we describe the way we think that things should be, at least subjectively, and at times, probably more often than not, it's become a metric that for so many excludes them demographically. It's certainly all we hear these days, especially after having collectively experienced the abnormal year 2020. We hear things like the new normal or the so very ever-present question on the top of everyone's minds, when are we ever going back to normal? So how did normal become this rule stick for how we describe the world as we think it should be? And are we correct in our linguistic usage of the word? The modern definition of normal is conforming to a standard, usual, typical, or expected. It also has a technical definition, a line intersecting another line at a right angle, a medical definition describing a salt solution with the same salt concentration as human blood, and a geological definition denoting a fault line in which a relative downward movement occurred in the strata on the upper side of the fault plate. In other words, force moving into the earth at a right angle. Modern synonyms include many, many words, such as, but not limited to, customary, conventional, everyday, traditional, quotidian, common, typical, ordinary, and standard. Normal comes from the Latin root word norma, and it also comes from the word normalis, which came first, I'm guessing it's norma, don't quote me on that. But norma is a root that means carpenter's square, because that's what it originally described. A norm was a type of ruler, if you will, designed to allow carpenters to craft their items using a right-angled square tool shaped like the capitalized letter T. So while the modern-day word normal is an adjective meaning conforming to a standard, usual, typical, or expected, i.e. it's normal for puppies to chew furniture, it actually began as a noun and morphed over time. In late Latin, norma developed into other usages, pervading the English language in the mid-1600s and defined something as according to rule or quote-unquote done exactly according to rule or square. 
Several dictionaries of that time period describe it as so, and perhaps it's these definitions that began to shift the word normal into a synonym for things that conform to a standard or the norm until it finally became the word normal in the 17th century, which was just a word meaning right-angled. You're probably thinking all of these examples harken back to the term right-angled, which is a geometric property and sounds pretty mathy if you asked me. So where in all of this did the word normal come to define the standards by which we aspire? And how could one ever fit into a one-size-fits-all standard? Well, we can't, and we don't, but you aren't totally wrong because the term certainly had its roots in geometry and mathematical principles way before it evolved into its present-day self. Since normal began as a literal tool for carpenters, the original use of the word was primarily through mathematicians seeking to describe the perpendicular and perfectly right-angled. In geometry, the principle of the right angle is often desirable as it represents a constant in the world of mathematics, which equates, at least for mathematicians, to beauty and perfection. So it makes sense that as a construct, the original meaning of right-angled or perpendicular somehow turned into a word describing, quote-unquote, what is right. Normal was first used outside of a mathematical context in the fields of anatomy and physiology. Astounding. There are no limits to science. Both fields sought to understand the human body and began developing as a science in the mid-1800s. The problem with the study of the human body is that so much is individualized, and normal came to describe anything that just wasn't abnormal. Why normal was the term decided on is unclear, but some speculate that as a science, anatomists and physiologists hope to appropriate terms with mathematical rigor. And so over time, through the sciences meant to uncover universal truths of the human body, the normal state came to describe organs and bodies that were quote-unquote ideal, quote-unquote perfect, and to help determine if an organ was healthy or unhealthy. In many ways, this wasn't so useful as medicine is an exclusion of pathologies, meaning we can only really rely on what we can define in the pathological state. In other words, we can only define something when something's wrong. When you're saying, ouch, my arm hurts, well, that's abnormal but what's the normal state? <laughs> so thus, normal is sort of a blanket term housing anything that just isn't abnormal. Normal as a standard state of being was further developed through the field of statistics. Now statistics prove, prove that you've won birthday. So in 1713, there was this Swiss gambling obsessed mathematician named Jacob Bernoulli who sought to tame chance in order to increase his odds of winning random events, such as dice. Many consider him to be the founder of calculus and statistics. And to up his gambling game, he developed an equation called the calculus of probabilities. This is actually what won him the title of founder of calculus and statistics. And it also challenged the contemporary church's worldview by proving that chance could be calculated. And so it actually undermined the church's stance on divine creation and intervention. In other words, his thoughts were not very popular amongst the church. His ideals were later adapted by a European statistician named Adolphe Quetelet. Many records describe Quetelet as somewhat of a strange human being. And frankly, I think this is where the history of the word normal kind of takes on a more sinister tone. Because as a statistician, 
Quetelet was enthralled by the laws of statistics and believed that statistics should be applied to all aspects of society, even the description of human beings. So he began taking the anatomical and physiological ideas of the word normal to a whole other level, creating this concept of the average man through a collection of statistical data of human characteristics like height, weight, eye color, etc. And later, these qualities would come to include things like intelligence, moral behaviors, things that you can't really quantify and that are somewhat subjective, maybe very subjective. This is where things get really muddy because he made a lot of personal assumptions that today are actually considered abhorrent, such as a suggestion that different races or different genders were not normal. It's hard to tell where and how he came to these faulty conclusions. It's safe to say that his definition of the average man described a non-existent entity meant to serve as a guide to the model human being, and it was probably also fairly common thinking for that time, unfortunately. But the idea of the average man soon became interchangeable with the term normal man, and this became synonymous with regular and average. Though his ideas came to be widespread, he was far from popular, eventually getting booed off stages at medical symposiums, especially because his ideas became more and more convoluted and offensive to those who didn't fit within his norm. His methods were also unfounded and poorly researched and statistically faulty. I mean, you can read more about it. We can link some things in our show notes, but he, you know, did terrible things like compare children with deformities to those without, and he would use faulty data from men to try to describe women and claim that, you know, women fell outside of this norm because of that. He essentially laid this dark groundwork for the modern use of the word normal. The last male in this trifecta of fathers of the word normal as it applies to humanity is none other than Francis Galton, who is cousin to the esteemed Charles Darwin. Galton was a doctor who left the field to study, you guessed it, statistics. He was a fan of Quetelet's bizarre and defunct theories of the normal or average man, and he took the idea one step further and into our modern future. He basically, based on Quetelet's ideas of common characteristics, Galton created the idea of a normalized bell curve based on human traits. So all of the data that Quetelet used to collect on like eye color, hair color, height, weight, etc., Galton began to pool all of this information, and he began to chart this out. And the areas of distribution, which were the heaviest, meaning like the areas on the chart where information was most densely populated, that's what he circled and defined as normal. This concept took hold in the 20th century and now defines this contemporary concept of one-size-fits-all, of standardized testing, of rows of desks at school and industrial production. And it was all because of this progression of trying to define human characteristics based on traits that three men found to be undesirable over time. And now a quick note from our sponsors. If you guys are anything like me, I can sometimes get into a pit of working without taking breaks. And before I know it, it's 3 p.m., I'm starving, and it's a little too close to dinner, and I need something quick to grab to eat and to nourish myself. Well, look no further. I have discovered the perfect snack 
They're called Tosi Bars, T-O-S-I. They're absolutely delicious. They're primarily made with nuts. They make these delicious bars that are eight grams of protein and six grams or less of sugar. They're just delicious. I'm obsessed with the peanut butter dark chocolate flavor and the cashew coconut. Try them out. You won't be disappointed. And now back to the show. Today, the word normal certainly holds its definition of standardization, and we clearly still function as a society based on our desire to fit things into neat little checkboxes, i.e. one size fits all. In so many ways, we still subconsciously interchange normal with the word ideal. And as a woman, I can attest to the desire to fit into one such box, to try to be that perfect whatever size, to fit in, to not feel so awkward and strange and not normal, as it were. I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. But when I look around and truly think about this, is anyone actually normal? I mean, our definitions shift over time and by place and by qualification. And what were the original traits that the fathers of statistics found to be so elusive that they actually began to define the most appealing human traits? I mean, the truth and the norm for three men can't be a universal truth. Beauty is different across countries, cultures, ages, etc. I mean, you look at what's common in the United States and what's common in Europe, and people dress quite differently. They like different types of music. So the norm in Europe would be not the norm in the United States, that's for sure. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. I used to hear the term all the time in high school that I was pretty for an Asian or cool for a girl or smart for a blank, like insert qualifier here. But the problem with using normal as a metric for human desirability is that no two people are actually created alike. We adapt to fit our circumstances. And while as humans we're conditioned to seek patterns and categorize things in order to maintain an organized thought process, we should make every effort to untangle the word normal from the concept of ideal and rather as a standard that changes to fit the needs of a situation. This year, it's been normal to wear masks. This is not our normal two years ago. And who knows what this is gonna look like in a year. Beauty standards change from decade to decade. Puff sleeves are making a comeback and low-rise jeans are now a thing of the past. But who knows? I'm sure in a few years, the fashion industry is gonna look pretty similar to decades past. So the next time you find yourself getting bogged down by comparison and you find yourself trying to fit into a checkbox or fit into this idea of normal that exists in your head, perhaps you're feeling out of sorts or you're seeking to define yourself or others. I hope you remember that normal is nothing more than a tool. Help to define right angles helped to define the condition of things, but that it was never really meant to define the world so much as describe a simple mathematical condition of it. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world.